Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to the Diaries of a Diasporian podcast, also known as DOD, a space where Africans in the diaspora get to share their stories and experiences. I do not think it's possible to even anticipate mm. the experience that one has when they move. You don't know what you don't know. And to know what I don't know, just talk to different people, <laughs> then I'll know. I've realized you will never fit in. You never fit in. You'll always be different. You're moving across the world yeah. in a new country where they speak the same language, but in a very different way. I don't think I would have pictured myself being in the US growing up. And so basically, it's almost home is moving on without you, but you're also moving on without home. The independence, the financial independence. Yeah, I think my biggest issue being in the US has been food money. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> It grows you so much, you learn so much. It's very tough at the same time, but all things considered, I would say it was worth it to come here. Oh. Welcome and enjoy. I'm your host, Joanne Dishu. Hey lovely people, welcome to another episode of Diaries of a Desperian podcast. First things first, I want to thank you all for showing the podcast and the first episode so much love. I really appreciate all your sharing, listening, commenting, and I can't wait for what is in store. Uh, continue uh, listening, continue sharing, following, rating the podcast. So for this week's episode, we have another special guest. His name is Eshiwani Benja, or sometimes he goes by Mgenge Marikani. I've known Ishiwani, I'd say, more than 10 years. We knew each other back in high school. We went in the same high school program. So we we're both, if you're Kenyan, you know the program. It's called Wings to Fly. So we met there, and then he was a year ahead of me. I saw him finish high school and get into the program that helps people apply to schools abroad. And he was one of my inspiration or, like, people I looked up to when it came to applying abroad because I was like, oh, someone who has a similar background as me has made it. So it's it became more of a reality. So I'm really glad to have him today on the podcast for him to share his story. He's an amazing person. He creates spaces for Africans, specifically Kenyans. He opens his house to lots of people to come eat, uh, drink, and just enjoy the music, just creating uh, communities for Africans in their diaspora or Kenyans in the diaspora to exist and feel like a home away from home. He also hosts uh, Task and Chill. He'll talk more about this on the podcast, and I'll share all details about Task and Chill and his blog and anything that's mentioned in the podcast. You'll find all the details there. So happy to have you listen to his story, moving away from Kenya to coming here and talking about how it was such a sharp transition from him, considering his background. And yeah, let's get into it. My name is Benjamin Eshiwani. A lot of people know me as Eshi Benja. So, Mgenge Marikani. Namajina mengi, yonjina kubwa. But yeah, I live in New York. I work here. I grew up in uh, Majengo, Gikomba. 
just a few in Kenya. A few minutes from BD. I went to school at West Coast Primary School in Pangani. Then I proceeded to Maseno School. Finished my KCSE. I became part of the Equity Leaders Program. I did my application. I was admitted to Michigan State University where I pursued my undergrad in finance. And then after that, I relocated to New York where I've been living since the pandemic until now. I knew Joanne 2012. I used to hang around with so that's why anyway, yeah. So before Kujay US or even applying, did you ever imagine yourself here anytime in your life? Never. I don't think I would have pictured myself being in the US growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because when the, going to school by itself was just being over ambitious back then. Even when the, just going to high school itself, it was it was more much more than uphill thing to do. So I never pictured myself coming to the US uh, until I joined Equity and then I learned about uh, the program mm-hmm. and I saw people who I knew and we've, we we went through the same Wings to Fly program and they had done it. So the same way, the same way I yeah, the same way I inspired you, the same way I saw other people who had done it. Mm-hmm. And then I got really fascinated about the idea and that's when I started pursuing it. So it's something that came i think after i graduated from four and then joined the bank equity started reaching out telling us to apply to different programs so because you started at least getting that idea around maybe after high school did you start like preparing and not even necessarily in terms of applying but also just in your mind this is what my life abroad will be I'm not someone who plans like more than five years ahead. <laughs> What's the all five year plan people? Yeah, so mine it's usually one, two year plan. So mm-hmm. I think when I committed myself to do the application, I just had my goal was to get into an American school. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I was focusing on becoming an economics major. So you came prepared. No, yeah, 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 I came prepared because when I finished high school, I wanted to do business. But then doing commerce or economics in Kenya, it doesn't offer a lot of prospects. Mm-hmm. So the only choice I had was to do engineering. Mm-hmm. And the easiest engineering, which I thought was civil engineering. Mm-hmm. So I joined UN, mm-hmm. and then I started doing civil engineering. But still, during that period, I was focused on my college application. Mm-hmm. So I think I really committed myself. Ile pesa yote ya equity nilipata kwa branch. Ile and yote kwenye PICT and prepping for college. I think I was committed to the idea that I had to leave Kenya. Like I had not visualized me staying in Kenya okay. after that first year in college. So I really wanted to leave. If my application had failed, I think I would have repeated my first year in college. So yeah, I really sacrificed a lot and I risked a lot doing that one year of just doing the college application. After that, mm-hmm. finally I got in. Mm-hmm. And then I was really excited. I came here knowing I'm coming to do economics and then after going through my first economics class, I realized economics is more of a 
theories than actual numbers. So I switched to finance uh, at the first oh, year. So that's, the business yeah, so now I want to the business finance side of it. Mm-hmm. My expectation mm-hmm. coming here, I think I thought like the whole of the US looks like New York. <laughs> 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 I actually I thought oh Michigan would look something closer. Mm-hmm. But when I landed, if you've been to Midwest <laughs> especially in a college town mm-hmm. when people go home during breaks, it becomes a, a ghost town, like everybody leaves the town. So it was really boring my first days here. I wanted things to do. I was looking for things to do, but there was nothing to do in in, in Lansing. Mm-hmm. And then transitioning my first classes. Mm-hmm. So I came here with a lot of expectation. So when I started my classes as a freshman, mm-hmm. I really had a lot of pressure on myself because I thought I had to perform. Largely because like I hold myself in high regard, so I never want to fail. And second is because I thought I represented a bigger picture which you, of which people. You yeah, which I like did. So, so me failing, mm-hmm. it creates a situation where people can use that as an example yeah. for like for Africans or for Kenyans or for even Mastercard Scholarship Foundation because yeah. I came through Mastercard Foundation. Yeah. So I had a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. but I can't say. I had a lot of academic pressure because I was able to manage my time and finance. It wasn't fairly hard compared to other majors. So schoolwork wasn't the biggest challenges I faced mm-hmm. coming in the U.S. I think the biggest challenge, which has, I think, will always be, it's always like fitting yeah. in the culture. How, how was that? How would you describe that? I've realized you will never fit in. Mm-hmm. You never fit in. You'll always be different, so you just need to adapt. It's called like social quotient. Mm-hmm. How you're able to maneuver through different groups of people. I don't think I'll fit in, but I can easily be part of something without fitting in exactly like everyone else. So my biggest issue was things that I didn't have control of. So I stopped bothering about those things because sometimes people say there's no racism sometimes in college, but it's always usually the microaggression or things that you can't actually avoid. So settling in and then figuring out how you're able to set up yourself in an American culture because I feel like when you come from Kenya, you have a bigger community surrounding yourself, but you come to US now, it's you alone and you have to create every single social circle around you. Like you need to pick professors who will be your favorite professors or who can help you in your major. You have to look for friends you can study with, friends you can party with, friends you can do different things with. So initially it's just, I think everyone struggles and it's okay for everyone to struggle because that's the only way you're able to learn and also identify yourself. Because I feel like every time I've stayed in the US, every single year, I'm usually a new person. Mm-hmm. If I look back and I ask Kiria, ah, I don't think last year I gave because it's usually changing. And yeah, one thing I appreciate, I think Nikisema, when I was coming to the US, mm-hmm. I'm coming to learn. I feel at the end of the day, uh-huh. I'm just here to learn. And I think 
eventually that's what I've gotten from the US. I may say it's I don't say I've learned everything has been good. Yeah. But everything has been eye opening, both good and bad. Yeah. And it's something that I really liked, especially Mimi, you know, Mimi Lelewa Majengo, so Mimi toka Majengo kuja US. So there's I feel there's a certain place I missed transitioning here from Kenya kuja hapa. Mimi unajua ni kama hot shower yangu ya kwanza niliona hapa. Like kwa nyumba niliishi kwa hot shower ilikuwa US ya kwanza. Like yeah, ni kama it was a really sudden. Yeah, akuwa na hapo katikati unaona. So hivyo like kuishi kwa nyumba iko na maji ndani. Ni hapa ndio ya kwanza. So I feel like kulikuwa na transition. There was a transition ni kama I missed. But I still enjoyed it. It opened my eyes. When you grew up in a place like Majengo where there's less exposure yeah you're not able to understand your potential yeah cuz you don't even know what to look up to you don't know how things operate you don't know how people operate you don't understand how systems operate yeah you don't know if those opportunities are yeah out there. you don't even know the opportunities you don't even out know how there how to get to them you just don't know they, yeah. they exist yeah so for me the transition from coming to Kenya to US I can even say I'm fulfilled. There's a lot of land that even now I'm decided to go back to Kenya. I'm happy this happened to me because mm-hmm. I've learned a lot about handling people, different type of people from different cultures which I wouldn't have experienced if I would have stayed in Kenya. Yeah. Obviously, US is more advanced in terms of technology and infrastructure. So it's always good to stay at a place like this and see how systems operate how governments operate how business operates and how everyone treats everything very seriously yeah i think sometimes miniki wa kenya i think if i was doing finance in kenya i would have been a little bit complacent honestly because yeah ninge ninge tulia you know nikiwa hapo honestly there's a little bit pressure that comes because my presence here is depending on my work my work depends on my visa as well so the, my whole life is intertwined all of them need to work perfectly for me to be here so that does not afford me any comfort yeah it's like you always have to be on your toes which is one thing i feel like when we come here and i think we're very privileged like you've said how do you balance knowing that i'm privileged being here and being exposed to all this but also at the same time been realistic that even though I'm here with all these exposure resources privilege there are also some struggles that come with it just being away from home and all that yeah i think my biggest issue mm-hmm. being in the us has been food maze konsendansi hapo first things first but no no i think <laughs> yeah. I can no yeah I can find things but it just feels different if I was eating it from Kenya I feel like okay ukipika chakula Kenya unlete hapa ni kulia hapa it won't feel the same kind of kulia Kenya Yeah So so your question was how do I balance understanding that I'm privileged and uh, should be here but at the same time also up acknowledging because i know the, the a lot, yeah a lot of us who are here we almost feel guilty of acknowledging the problems that we experience in the yeah, us because yeah because in our head we we always like 
you the women that you made it to here oh. why are you complaining and you're already in this most of the time just like other people i deal with the struggle first is just the homesickness yeah. of just being away from your family for so long and yeah. as much as you have friends it's always important to have your family around you so yeah. that one i think that one is what creates a big distress to people yeah. just being away from your family most of the people don't actually realize how impactful it is to just live a longer period without seeing your family yeah. or just seeing them occasionally yeah. two is also there are challenges just being an immigrant in the u.s mm -hmm. having to travel with a envelope full of papers every single time yeah. or the fear of leaving the country because you're not sure of your immigration status and also the normal challenges of just being a black person in America because yeah. generally we're all black and nobody cares whether you're American, Kenya or what. Yeah. So those are the challenges that we deal with but this country it has experienced I think challenges which has affected mostly marginalized communities mm -hmm. and we are part it's time for us to realize we are also marginalized also being in Kenya I feel like someone like me I can also put myself as a marginal, marginalized person in Kenya mm -hmm. how I have grown up based on my upbringing and my childhood where we've lived and how much the government has somehow neglected yeah. uh, people who live in informal settlements yeah. it's just the same book of oppression so I don't think for me it it affects me that much or I can say mm -hmm. it impedes me because it's the same thing if I was in Kenya I know definitely for sure I will struggle getting a job yeah that's one thing just because I don't have any connection and definitely my papers I don't think they will give in much weight to it mm -hmm. so for me most of the challenges I'm facing here are the same challenges I would have faced back at home especially as a working class person mm -hmm. the biggest difference between the challenges i face being here mm -hmm. is just the issue of homesickness and just racism mm -hmm. but on a normal platform of just being a working class i think it would have been the same or way worse if i was in kenya yeah i see that and to follow up on that I know you wrote this article, but then guys, Benja has a website. I'll yeah. put on the link. You should follow my blog. I get paid nowadays if people read you my do? articles. Yeah. Oh. So please, <laughs> I earned less than a dollar the last month. Yeah, you should all go and read my the, blog, please. The article. He writes really good articles. And from your articles, art, you. It's like you cover both worlds. So. There's this article, uh, if I can remember well, I think you were writing when you were on the subway, and it's like you, it was like a two-way thing. You're talking about your life here, but also remembering or picturing okay. your life back at home. Can you speak more to that? And in the sense of, I feel like you're the one person who, you're always aware of everything that's happening at home, whether like political or just you try to you know just keep in touch of 
what's happening at home and even creating these spaces for us here where we can just come and have like Kenyan community, you know, still experience our Kenyanness, but also still experience us being in the US fully. Can you speak into that, how you're able to be here, finance bro <laughs> in New York, but at the same time, keep up with what's going on in Kenya and all? Yeah, I'll speak regarding of me always having people and mm -hmm. always focusing on creating an inclusive right. environment for specifically Kenyans. I think most of my gatherings are usually 99% Kenyans. <laughs> we welcome everyone, but yeah, the numbers yeah. just always work in favor of Kenyans. Yeah. Me grew up my Django. So how I grew up, it was everybody just had one room and then we share everything. Bafu ziko inje, playground. So kwa nyumba kulala, but at the end of the day, we were usually spending time with other guys just outside. So I think me, I, I grew up enjoying having other people. And then it was, for me, it was just me and my mom. I grew up with my mom alone, so I didn't have siblings. Uh -huh. So the only person I could talk to was my mom. Mm. So it's that I'm just quiet. Yeah. Which my mom didn't talk much yeah. back then. From that, I feel I've grown up to be more outgoing mm -hmm. and being more accommodative. I started hosting parties in colleges. <laughs> Until now, I'm still... I like having people. Or I like creating a space where people feel more comfortable yeah. to just come and enjoy time together. That's why I also took up running Task and Chill. So Task and Chill was started by Teddy. Initially, they just used to go out Friday afternoons to the Papillon Bar. And grab Tasker. So eventually they said, why not call this Tasker and Chill and invite everyone? Mm -hmm. This was back, I think, in 2017 or 18. Oh, okay. And then 2020, when I moved to the city, Teddy was leaving. Uh, so he asked me if I wanted to run Tasker and Chill, and then I said yes. And we've been growing it outside New York. So we are targeting top cities with young Kenyan professionals where we can be able to create just a social casual networking happy hours on Friday once a month mm -hmm. we're planning on having a website and setting it up correctly but recently we've just been running it very hands-on casual mm -hmm. but we're trying to put structure in place for it to grow so that you can also even if I leave or it becomes independent beyond just having one person managing it. So that's where I started hanging out with people straight from my years when I was younger. And I think the same thing I, I've maintained. I feel like I don't change. Mm -hmm. I've had the same personality of just having people, having parties, or going to parties the same way, or calling people for a gathering. Yeah. It's been the same consistently over the years and I hope I can keep it up. I'm getting old nowadays. No, Stuck it up with because the work of cleaning up it which, scares me. Which actually I feel like you're not appreciated enough because what there's so much that goes into having people here having and cooking people and everything. Your house to so many people cooking, cleaning up the next day. And even apart from the logistics, I feel like through this gathering a lot has blossomed from it. Yeah. Like a lot of friendships, a lot of 
people getting opportunities like sure. job opportunities relationships honestly I feel like these spaces or even when someone probably felt like just so lonely but you come here you meet your people it's good vibes, it's always a good time it just makes people happy and even though you say like oh, it's very casual and stuff i i get it's like a space to be casual but i feel like it's a space where also people value a lot and that's why people keep coming like there's no time that you host something and this house won't have more than like 20 people and i also feed from i think other people's energy it's usually fun when you have people and the people have a good time and you end up, even if the night doesn't end here and we go somewhere else, it's usually, it's usually just a good weekend once we just have Kenyans and we eat, we dance, yeah. and everyone goes off or we go out. Over the years, actually, it has taken me a while even to just understand how having people mm-hmm. actually impacts them. Initially, for me, it was just a place to just have fun. Mm-hmm. But with the time, people were just invited here to have parties. They've come here on their own, and we just had one-to-one talk and spent time together. Yeah. We, it has given me an opportunity to know people. You know, sometimes people ask me, how do you know all these people? Yeah. I actually know all these people, and I can tell you their stories. But it's hard for someone to understand how do you know everyone who is at your house at this single point. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, someone comes here one time, there's a hangout, a cookout, and then they come back again, probably on their own, and I get to know them, I get to understand about their life. So for me, it has opened up a lot of huge, huge friendships. So some, most of my friendships have come through my social life of how I've just decided to set up my life through it or always welcoming people having an open space it's been the stem of most of my friendships mm-hmm. i've never given up and i enjoy it i think i'll do it as long as i can and we're here to, <laughs> to come eat <laughs> and enjoy soup. yeah going back to your question and how i manage to stay up to date on what's happening in kenya and here mostly i'm focused on economic and political issues so those are the things I really uh, focus on Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in understanding uh, economic policies and uh, how these policies end up affecting common monanchi part of my discovery you know growing up from a poor family Mm -hmm. first of all you start by hating your parents Mm -hmm. thinking they didn't put enough effort to provide enough for you because once you start saying that, it takes you a time before you realize, okay, we're actually poor. <laughs> right? Initially, I thought, my parents are lazy. Why can't someone do this and this? Why can't they wake up and get two or three jobs or do something? And then you start wishing you were born in a different family. I mean, like, what is family? Like, so <laughs> grow- yeah, growing <laughs> up, like, Nikona Simaga Mimi, Bonas Kuzalio Familia Moi. Niliko, because that was the rich. Only Lily, the top. Really, like, at least my rich cousins, Lily. Rich cousins, Miliko Dagakom to a Moi. 
said and then the second thing you're going to I want to have a maid because so me I grew up with my mom and my mom aliko anashona from 8 to 12 a.m. So kila kitu kwa nyumba I was the one who had to do everything. If so I, I wake up niamke and then yoge I make my own breakfast or sometimes I don't eat breakfast. I go to school I come back madhangu ameacha doya mboga hapo. And then nilikuwa ganishambi wa asubuhi what vegetable you're going to eat what you need to do today. So I have all the instruction. So I took home nichukue pesa nikimbegi komba kwa soko and then I buy vegetables. Come back home, nikatekate, nipike na ugali and then I serve for my mom. Tukule, nioshe vyombo and then ningie kwa homework. Every single day that was the pattern. On the weekends, niamke, nioshe nyumba. So I used to hate working at home. So I wish was I wish I was born in Moy's home. I wish I, we had maids. So w- eventually as I grew up and I just understood uh, there's some things like my family was destined to the way the system is set up there's no way my pa- my family could have managed to change anything even if everyone else had like 360 days in a year and my father was given 720 it will still take him twice the effort or thrice for him to achieve anything and So as much as I've grown I've just accepted the system there are some people who you're basically destined to do just the way the systems are, are structured yeah. and uh, my interest came in just being an economics to taking economics classes and also understanding how much can things be done different for a family like mine to just have by normal I mean so we can able to achieve basic things yeah. with ease without living struggling day to day without knowing what's going to happen tomorrow so i feel my transition from my understanding that oh problem budangu budangu simlezi ama madangu simlezi just understanding like, most of the people when you tumezaliwa hapo gikomba those people will remain the sad thing is those people probably will remain the same way if someone doesn't take them out yeah so what wamezaliwa huko it was a system where unazaliwa huko unalelewa huko unaoa mtu huko una move in kwa nyumba ya mama yako ama ya baba yako and then pia wewe you raise a kid there so you know, such places if you live in such places you understand once system is not working against you too you also don't have motivation to live so for me the difference came when at least i joined equity and then i had exposure yeah. so i saw like there's a different life from what i was used to yeah. so i've been able to cause Kenya home ni home i still love my home so i always try i don't want to get lost in america because the more you stay outside the country yeah. the more you don't want to live because most of us came here with a plan of four years of college and then going back home but we've been here for what they say and we also came here during our formative years you yeah. know like in our 20s those are the years that kind of i can say you're young to experiment and yeah. to be adventurous and you're making decisions like make, adult decisions mm-hmm. so you can easily forget 
because you can easily like almost start a new life, you know, and forget uh, what you've experienced back at home. Yeah, I, mean, I follow news. I try as much as I can. I don't really watch, but mm -hmm. I read newspapers. I follow people who post, who post uh, things on the current affairs of the nation. I always try to stay updated because mm -hmm. I know most of the people we left at home, mm -hmm. they are relatively more advanced than us because they understand the local market. Because things are not, things are changing. As much as we are here thinking we're in a, in a first world country, mm -hmm. the way Kenya is growing, it's, it's growing differently and there are granular things about the Kenyan industry or the market, which us, people who live in the diaspora cannot grasp or not, cannot understand. Yeah. So it's always good to make sure you're staying up front of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Just social-wise, even career-wise, it's good to have connections of people who are still in Kenya and doing the same thing as you're doing. Yeah. Uh, it gives you uh, a you know, platform to just... Uh, compare how things are going and what are the differences that happen. So my interest, I think, both in like in economics and political mm -hmm. helps me stay updated in, yeah, in Kenyan news. So if it wasn't those two things, I went. And music too. That's yeah, that's also I think because <laughs> it's for, for you it's financial, political, but I feel like also social-wise, yeah. you're very much aware of just what's going on also socially but my friends in kenya i try and maintain my friendship i wouldn't say i'm doing a well, good how, job how is that because i know that's another tough thing for us how, how do you get to maintain our friendships back here and also back at home for me honestly i'll say my friends are doing better job keeping me on toes that's in terms good. of updating how my life is going. I do try, mm -hmm. but I think that's one thing I'm struggling with. But most of my close friends in Kenya always put me on toes. Me and my closest friend, we plan after every two weeks, one of us has to call and that's it, a mandatory call. You have to make that call. Even if you won't talk during the week, there's a specific day you have to call. So having such meshes in place or just knowing that you have a structured time of you guys communicating that helps a lot and also besides that is always good to i mean stay in touch with family yeah i think for me of late that's when i've started actually being actively following up people in my family so i think that one also it helps just maintaining your friends who are still in kenya because ningumu People fall out. One week turns into one month. A month turns into a year. And then you realize you're finishing five years. You haven't spoken to someone. So it's good at least to keep in touch and make sure you know what your friends are doing. So that when you meet them, you're not surprised someone likes something different and you're not comfortable with that. If you keep in touch, it helps what what's going on. Instagram in a though. How will you define home to you now in home Kenya is home New York, or how, how do you picture home to you? To be honest, for me now, home is New York. I'm okay with home being New York. Mm -hmm. uh, I always want to detach myself from 
the sentimental description of home because mm -hmm. I just want to make sure where I'm comfortable where I am mm -hmm. that I can call it home because yeah. if you're not comfortable with where you are then it messes you up mm -hmm. and stresses you and you start thinking how things will have been mm -hmm. different if you're somewhere else so for me now I'm taking New York as home uh -huh. I'm trying to identify the things that made me happy when I was Nairobi and how I can apply the same things. The one thing is working is when I was Nairobi, my friends mm -hmm. would just pop up at home anytime, yeah. which is the same thing that I've been able to like build here with my friends because I can go to their house or they can come over. And then the second thing about home is just a place you feel comfortable yeah. when you get into like my house. I always try and make sure my house is like a comfort as much as I'm far away from home. So I try avoiding the idea that home is Kenya. I'm from Kenya. Yeah. Eventually, I'll ha I will go back. Mm -hmm. I'll have to eventually I'll settle in Kenya. Mm -hmm. But for now, this is my home. Yeah. I'm focusing on creating a good life that's close to everything that I have or I can access right now. But on the same way, I'm still have my connections because Kenya will still be home. Mm -hmm. People will still know where my mom lives, where they can find where they can find her. Mm -hmm. um, that will forever be my home. Yeah. But I'm not there anymore. So New York is home now, <laughs> and we'll see where next we go. <laughs> the next place that's gonna be the next home. Yeah. Um. So. What do you like most about being a diasporian? Or what do you, at both sides of the coin, what do you like most and what do you like the least? What do I like the least? What do I like the most? Yeah. I get a decent income uh -huh. <laughs> to support my, support myself mm -hmm. and my mom. Two, I think, especially living in New York, it's living in New York is like traveling all over the world in some way because you meet so many people from Everywhere. different cultures uh -huh. that you didn't even know they exist. And it's not even about the countries. It's about these people from different countries, how they can be so very different. Different walks of life, literally. That you can't even imagine. So someone says New York is a city of misfits. But yeah, like people are very diverse, countries, personality, culture, art, food. There's, I don't think there's anything you can miss in New York. I agree. So that exposure, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good thing too. I feel like in terms of industry and what I do, mm -hmm. New York is, uh, is the best uh, city or being in the desk, being in the US, it's one of like a financial center. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyone who's interested in finance, New York is a place. So for me, I'm in the, in the right playground yeah. for what I'm doing. My least favorite uh -huh. thing is every time I have to introduce myself, I have to say where I'm from. I can't just say I'm Benjamin Eshiwani. <laughs> I have to follow up with from Kenya. <laughs> Yeah, so you have to tell everyone your country. And then the next question will be, oh, how did you come to the U.S.? So those type of questions really they frustrate me. Sometimes I don't want to answer, but 
I have to. So as as we close this whole experience so far, like the number of years you've been here, how would you say they've shaped who you are right now? I've changed a lot. Mm-hmm. I have really changed a lot. I think one thing the US has changed me is just being a diplomat more diplomatic. And things because when I was in Kenya, I was aggressive because I'm getting Kanyaga too. You go bar in a cam. So I grew up in a very hostile I grew up. I was I grew up in a hostile place. So for me, for me, you go just don't cross me. Or let me just say I was less diplomatic. But now I'm more diplomatic. I'm more open-minded. And more rational, I think, so compared to how I was before I came here. But I don't want to say I was rational because I was in Kenya. But I'll say I was probably irrational or more unexposed based on just the hood I grew up into. So for me, I wouldn't. For me, it's not about like Kenya. It's about Majengo and coming to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I just compare the person I was coming from Majengo, just being a young adult trying to figure out life from Majengo and transitioning to the U.S. So it's been a very huge leap, just how I think about things, how I view situations, how I face adversities, challenges, how I am able to connect with people. It has really changed, and it has opened. I think that's also has contributed me becoming who I am, or having achieved the things I've achieved until now. Yeah. So, I think eventually I have to say it's Majengo. Majengo ni It's in the name. It's in the name. It's in the name. Nah, when you came here, or even the 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 number of years you've lived here, was the craziest culture shock for you that some of you've experienced? Me, my biggest culture shock was one taxes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. You know, Kenya, when you go to when you go to pay, you pay the right amount. It's not like additional taxes. So for my first experience here, okay. I had less money because I didn't budget for the taxes. Because Kenya, I think VAT is included. Yeah, like yeah, the, the total the sum. That's the final yeah, price. that's the final. But here, uh, it's calculated after, which I feel like it's weird. Where just make people, yeah, where make people pay, factor in the tax. So that was my biggest culture shock. The other one is just food. I, I grew up. Uh-huh. For us, we we ate mostly at home. Yeah. And then Americans, people like eating out. I mean, I enjoy eating out and ordering food, but I think 90% of the time, or 95, you should cook, you should eat home cooked food. The opposite in this country. Yeah, so for me, for me, I still, I still cook my food daily, but it just surprises me. Uh, last question of the day, and then you can close just saying anything you want. So, what's one thing that you would want to tell, let's say, the Youngish when right before coming to the US. Starting life here. What should you tell that young boy? What do I tell myself? I would have told myself to just do the same same things I did okay. but do them with more belief and conviction. 
even if it was going to be a mistake because mm-hmm. I don't think I'm regretting anything because eventually everything that I've done has led to who I am mm-hmm. both the right things and the wrong things mm-hmm. and all of them are part of a shiwani so i'll just tell myself not to doubt myself mm-hmm. on the things i was thinking and i was doing and the things that i did with a little bit of doubt but i will do the same same things that i did mm-hmm. but now with more conviction that's good and what would you tell us when five years to come from now five years to come from now mm-hmm. that would be a very different issue I'll tell them I'm proud of what they've achieved because I'm very sure they'll achieve big things. So I'll congratulate them for doing the same same things I've been doing because they're working for me. Mm -hmm. So they should do the same. (laughs) They should continue on. Any advice you want to give people in the diaspora, people who are thinking coming here? My advice, especially for people who are coming to the US, allow yourself to be a new person. Mm -hmm. You know when you... There's something I read. When you move, you're not just moving cities, you're moving personalities and the person who you are. Yeah. So, allow yourself, it's like rebuild, rebuild yourself. Mm-hmm. You are in a new space, a new environment, you're going to meet new people. So, allow yourself to break, allow yourself to rebuild, allow yourself to change and be open-minded because I feel most of the people try to maintain who they are Mm -hmm. without realizing they're in a very different culture in a very different new world which you need to adapt so I'm not saying change yourself I'm just saying allow yourself to 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 become a new person or see things in a new light okay that's good advice that's good advice being open Okay, guys, so that's it as you find. Allow yourself to be open to this new experience. And Ishwani, thank you. Thank you for coming to the podcast, sharing your stories, being open. Hopefully, when I invite you again, you'll come and share. Tony Lipa next time. Next time. Uh, yeah, podcast will have grown. Guys, like and subscribe so that I get my <laughs> to pay you to come back but yeah thank you for just coming and sharing and so that's it for today so happy you got to listen till the end hopefully Eshiwani's story has been relatable to most of you hopefully you've learned something and from what he's here said just be open-minded to letting yourself embrace this new experience can't wait to continue this journey with you all and please remember to share your comments or anything that you think about the podcast the episode that you've listened to remember to follow our spotify page our apple page you can rate the podcast you can follow our instagram page for more updates see you all in two weeks time next thursday with another guest other stories other lessons goodbye and have an amazing weekend bye